if you bring who you want to be into a race and in every given moment as much as humanly possible, so like calm, brave, efficient, like leaning into the challenge, um, optimistic, all of these things, all of these character traits, all within your control, you're going to have a good race. Research has proven this now. You're much more likely to actually get the result and the time that you want at the end of the race rather than fixating on the time. Hey, hey, welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Tan, and this show is all about human performance. And who better to talk to about human performance than the extraordinary Eloise Wellings, two-time Olympian, five-time Commonwealth Games competitor. She has so many incredible achievements under her belt. And on top of all that, she co-founded the Love Mercy Foundation with fellow Olympian Julius H. She has the most incredible story. She's the most incredible person. And this conversation really hit home for me. Mindset is so important and has such a major impact on the way we perform and the way we show up. So I know you'll get so much out of out of this episode. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Um, before we get into the episode, I want to be completely transparent about the interview the software had a few glitches, so it means that the audio is not as crisp as it normally is. So you may hear throughout the interview or throughout halfway the interview, the sound is not as great as I would like it. And I just wanted to put that out there. I want to apologize for that. That's on me, but it does not take away from the extraordinary and incredible advice and wisdom that Eloise shares. So um, enjoy this episode. There's so much for you to take from it. Eloise, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been a little while in the making, but we are here and I'm so grateful to chat with you. Welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jackie. It's a pleasure. Now, I normally do a deep dive into my guests before I chat with them and there was a bit <laughs> around you. You're very successful. You've achieved so much in your career. So this is a very condensed version of that. You're a two-time Olympian. You've competed in the Commonwealth Games five times. You have an impressive record of making four straight top 10 finishes in the women's 5,000 metre finals. You debuted as a marathoner at the London Marathon in 2021 with the time of 2 hours 29.42. And you came fourth at the Birmingham Commonwealth Games in 2 hours 30.51. There's so much more. But we'll leave it at that and we'll go straight into all the other incredible things you are doing. You are the co-founder of the Love Mercy Foundation with Julius Achon. You're also, you also have a podcast with your friend Rory Darkins, 
the Marathon State of Mind, Marathon State of Mind podcast, and you're also doing really incredible work with your courses now. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. So when I thought about, you know, where we could start, I want to talk about a couple of races that you've done, a few of, in your words, what were disappointing races, and that I'd really love to dive deeper into the mindset side of things and also the foundation. So to begin with, Birmingham, when you look back or you think back on that experience, what feelings come up for you and and, and what do you remember from that? Um, yeah, Birmingham is obviously my, my, uh, fifth Commonwealth Games. That was, uh, last year. And, you know, my first marathon, um, on an Australian level. Uh, I was just excited. Honestly, I was excited to be, to be back racing, racing for, um, Australia. Um, and, you know, after having my second child, um, and so, you know, when you obviously, you're a female athlete and you decide to have a baby there's always this question of will I be able to get will I be able to get back you know to um level that I hope to compete at the level that I want to compete at and so there's this underlying question that whole time you kind of um you you get in your way back to to fitness um after having a baby and um I think that that was that was the joy for me of like going, yeah, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here. I'm back in a team and, um, and, you know, just get out there and enjoy it. And to be, you know, in doing a new event too was so amazing um, in the marathon. Obviously my, my other um, championship races have always been 5,000 and 10,000 metres uh on the track and so to do a new event is really exciting and and I think the marathon is so it's so romantic <laughs> it's so like it's such an unfolding story and just to be on the you know on the team with my um with my friends as well Jess and, and Sinead um was really special they both have have kids themselves so we all knew you know we we're on training camp together for a month beforehand in Switzerland and had our, our kids and our families there and um yeah it was just a really nice build up to that games is there you said you know you you're not sure how you're gonna make a comeback after having a baby was there a moment during the period of your training where you're like actually I could get really good at this like what was the feeling um during that training and and post baby I think, to be honest, I was I was really just trying. I knew what the goal ahead was, and that was to you know make another Australian team, um, and hopefully that would be you know either the World Championships or Commonwealth Games. And I ended up making both. I just had to decide um, which one I'd prefer to to compete at. But it, like in the early days when I you know when I just started running, um, you know I had a cesarean with my with my little boy and so the, the recovery time was slightly longer and but I knew the goal ahead um, but I think I was really just trying to focus on what I could do each day and then you know what that looks like in a week and then what that looked like in a month but coming back to to what I could do each day to um, 
you know, to be able to get a little bit better and then also be super flexible as well, <laughs> like not hold that too tightly because um, I didn't want it to become stressful um, for me or for my family, um, you know, in trying to get back really quickly uh, into my running career. And so just hold that really loosely, do what I could and adapt and be as flexible as possible and just enjoy enjoy the process of getting fit again because when you when you lose all that fitness and you're so out of condition you actually see a lot of big gains <laughs> but right now you know like I'm um you know I'm at a level that I'm like I'm going really well and you don't see those big steps anymore it's like they're really they're, it's few and far between but when you back that you know just coming back from a long time off um, yeah, you actually, it's interesting to see the gains each week. Coming back to Birmingham, was there an expectation of, you know, how you're going to do, what you were going to race, like what time you're going to do it in, or or did you just rocking up to the, the start line was, was important for you? Yeah, no, certainly I knew that I was, I was in really, really good shape. We'd been training at altitude. Um, and I like respond really well to altitude and you know all of my PBs have, have come off training at altitude and so I knew that I was in really good shape and so I was actually you know I was really hoping and um that I could be in the mix for a medal and you know obviously I placed fourth um and so just outside the medals but I mean it was one of those things where I knew that I'd given it everything. And so I, when I crossed the line, I was kind of like, that's it. That's what I had today. And, you know, I, there's, this, there's this tension of like falling short of the goal, which was obviously to be on the podium, but also this deep satisfaction that, and, and you know, knowledge of the truth that I'd done everything I could and um, the other girls were, were better. And that was it. And, um, you know, I was, there was nothing else that I could have done. And so I think that's um, when you can walk away and celebrate your effort and, um, you know, still be, I think it's okay to be dissatisfied because that's what keeps you motivated and, you know, it's what gets you up for the next one. But also I think it's really important to focus on, um, you know, the fact that, you did your best and um and that's what that's what I yeah that's what I was kind of um thinking about in the days and weeks after yeah so when you think about that and go I'm satisfied with this because I did my best how do you then go well how do I get better from here like what do you reflect back on during the race and and then in your training Mm. Um, to be honest, I think, uh, you know, I could have, I could have probably, um, in Birmingham, you know, the course was a lot different to any of the other marathon courses that I've run. Um, and, you know, I, I look back and I think, well, you know, there's nothing that I would have really changed in training. It's just one of those things where he's, you know, like I did my best on the day and, um, and that was the result. And I think, you know, a lot of times, um, a lot of times you race and there aren't 
too many answers except like and so there's you you go looking for answers and you can spend a long didn't work out the way you um planned but sometimes the best thing to do is just move on as quickly as possible (laughs) um and on to the next one and um yeah I mean it's it's good to reflect but I think dwelling on something um that you might never have an answer to is uh yeah I think it can be more distracting than anything. Yeah, it's not really productive, is it? Yeah. When you're in it and you're with the you're with the group, you're with the pack for more than half of the race, what are your what comes into your head when when they start to pull away? What's your strategy then? I think for me it was it was mostly about just staying like as relaxed don't panic I think the moment that you begin to panic in a race is the moment that you lose it you know you're everything in your nervous system you're just wasting energy and so um, when I could feel them pulling away and I was already you know just about redlining um, I think I was just I was just trying to stay calm and keep my mind as calm as possible and go from head to toe. How can I run this next kilometre as efficiently as possible, you know, in order to to not allow the gap to get any, um, you know, any bigger? That would be the end result. But I can't control the gap not getting any bigger, but the way that I can control it is how I, how I run. So I think it's just a, so much about it is coming back to the things that you can control in that moment rather than thinking about, you know, um, what the others are doing or, you know, what what this might look like in five or ten kilometres time, not trying to catastrophize or perceive anything bad happening. Um, I think trying to stay as optimistic as possible is really important um, despite the discomfort and the, the pressure that you're under at that time of marathon. Um, and all of these things you can practice in training, you know, they're all skills that you can learn and they're all skills that I practice weekly in a marathon build up. Um, and, you know, sometimes I get it right and sometimes I don't. And it's about I'm just trying to get, you know, for this, I mean, you know, I'm in a marathon build up at the moment. I've just begun and I'm like my goal for this marathon build up is just trying to do that as much as possible, try and get it right as much as possible. And when I don't, there's self-compassion, you know, there's grace and there's self-compassion and you just come back to what you know, direct your attention to what um, what is good and um, and what you what you know that you can control in any moment. I love that so much and that's such a beautiful lesson not only in sport and racing but life every day compassion I mean I think we we all need to practice that a whole lot more than what we do yeah agreed I really I'd love to talk about that a little bit more because I think we all really need to hear it. And um, in regards to your racing and in in regards to what you've mentioned previously as being disappointing results, 
I wanted to talk about Nagoya. The the first time you raced Nagoya was back in 2022 and you, you ran a PB, you two hours, 25, 10. Um, and then this year, not so great. Well, well, not so great in, in your words. That's <laughs> not, not what I'm saying. <laughs> it's all right. But, but uh, two hours, 32. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but I, I would love for you to uh, break that down for us. Like, you know, when you know you've done it before, you've performed really well, and then the next time round it's not close to that or it just felt differently and break that down for us, how you reflect on it and how you move forward from that. Yeah, I think Nagoya the first year I was so curious and I was so I was really free. I was running really free. I was like up for the challenge and, um, you know, it had a really, I had like a perfect build up and um, everything had gone really well. So it was actually really easy to be optimistic and, you know, really curious about how things were going to go. There was no pressure on me um, to do anything really except for, you know, like except for the pressure that I was, I guess I put on myself, which is, in my mind, it's good pressure. It's good, you know, set myself high expectations and um, allow myself to dream big. Um, and it was a wonderful day. Like it was just one of those days where everything fell into place. I remember like going through 30K, which is the, the, the kilometre marker that everyone talks about of like, oh, my gosh, you know, the 30K you get to 30k you know you're generally not feeling great in marathon but I got to 30k and looked over at one of my you know teammates Charlotte Perdue she's from from um England and um she'd been pacing the race and I just gave her a thumbs up I was just like, uh, and I it was just one of those races that everything was coming together and I knew it and I could feel it I could I was definitely uncomfortable and completely running out of my skin but I was so happy in that space um and yeah I was just like um I was both physically and mentally better prepared than you know I'd ever been I would probably say for any race um and I was mentally very prepared for this year in Nagoya um which didn't go so well but, you know, I had some, I had some, you know, issues in the lead up. I had low iron during the summer and I was getting sick a lot and um, you know, I hurt my back. And so the, the build up was a little bit different. So I began to lose a bit of confidence and I had to deal with that mentally. And um, and so, yeah, it was just a different different build up. And But I, I went out, you know, pretty at a pretty like decent pace in that um, in that marathon and it didn't pay off. I, I kind of started the race just still wanting to give myself the best chance possible to, to have a really good day like the year before. And I don't know, it's um, many people would say that probably wasn't the wisest thing because, you know, of the, the leading that I'd had, but I'm also a dreamer. <laughs> I'm like, I like. I really like to just. I, I didn't want to die wondering. 
you know, I didn't want to go, I'm just going to go out this pace because this is what I think I'm capable of. Um, I wanted to go, this is what I know that I'm capable of eventually and I'm going to find out if it's today or if it's not. <laughs> um, and so that's what I did and it didn't pay off. Yeah. And your first half, I think you said was your best first halves and then the second half was your worst second half. So what happens in your mind when you look at your watch and you go, oh, I'm actually doing really great. And then, and then it turns. Yeah. I mean, I was, again, I was like in the race, in that particular one, I was starting to feel the pinch at about halfway. And I thought if I can, if I can just, I was with a group actually. And I just, I, I decided to let the group go a bit um in order to try and conserve something for the second half of the race um and be able to still finish strong um but yeah I you know then I was running alone and that has its challenges as well and um especially if you're already redlining if you're running alone you're feeling good because I ran alone a lot in the, the year before and I was feeling great and it didn't bother me but if you're running alone and you've um you you know, you're not being able to keep pace, then that can be, that can be challenging. So yeah, again, whenever that happens, I just try and go back to what I can control. And it's always my breathe starts with my breathing and, um, you know, trying to relax my shoulders and swing my arms. And I think no matter what you're doing, um, that's challenging when you're under pressure the only thing that you can can control is what you're doing (laughs) and so that's why because your brain your brain will find all of these other different threats like you know someone running away from you or um you know not you'll go to the your mind will go to the finish line and that feeling of disappointment or you know you'll you'll look at your watch and it was a few seconds slower than the last k or like all of these threats and all of this like your brain will find a lot of different reasons to judge you in those moments um and i think trying to turn down the voice of judgment and criticism um and turning up your inner coach and the only way well, the, not the only way, but the way that I like to practice that in training, especially so that I, it becomes automatic in a race, um, is talk about the things that I can control. <laughs> you know, this is what you've got now in this moment, in this next step. Stay up on your toes, you know, because I know that when I get tired, I, start, I know all of these cues about myself when I get tired, what I do physically. And so to turn those around in the moment, it might help me run more efficient and from, uh, and help me do something productive with my brain rather than judge or um, critique, you know, what the split of that last kilometre was or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be the next question. Are you then, you know, knowing how you're feeling and, you know, rechecking in with yourself and all of those things are you still looking at your watch knowing you feel that way you feel so it depends if I'm looking at my watch, it depends if I know if I'm finding it challenging to be 
um, curious about. So if I sometimes I can look at my watch in a race or a training session and it'd be a couple of seconds slower than the last kilometer and I'll go, great, that was a rest take. How much energy have I got for the next one? You know, and that's like that's in that's my inner coach coming rising to that occasion, right? Rising to that moment of potential judgment. But then there'll be other times where um where I'll look at it and I'll be a couple of seconds slower and your my response to that will be basically the opposite. It'll be like, oh, no, I'm falling behind. What if I can't even finish at this pace? Like what if I can't even finish at this pace? <laughs> you know, like, and so it's there's this what if, what if, the, the questioning starts bubbling up and um, that's the skill for us all is to respond in a way that's actually going to be helpful rather than um, detrimental to not only your performance but also your experience Um, because one of the things that one of the reasons why I was celebrating coming forth at the Commonwealth Games last year is because my mental game for the majority of the race was great. And I was really proud of that. I was really proud of the way that I caught, like that I could trust myself to, um, to just rise up to, you know, when I needed it, I could trust myself to call on the mental skills that I'd been practicing in training when I really needed it and when I was under pressure. And um, that was fun for me. That was like a real, okay, that was, yes, that felt good and the experience of that felt good. When you run a race, do you not get the performance that you um, were after or the, do you spend a good part of the race either berating yourself, self-criticism, call it whatever you like, um, or being just negative about everything and judging yourself? It's just it's such an icky feeling <laughs> when you finish, you know. It's no, there's, nobody wins no matter what the result, you know. And so, yeah, I think that that's what um, that's what's been fun is just being able to practice those things in in training and in racing as well. And like I said, I don't always get it right. I'm, yeah, still on that, still on that journey. And, I, yeah, and also because I'm, you know, like pushing yourself to the limits in racing, which you're not always doing in training. So it is slightly different, um, which is why, you know, practising in race, like, you know, races that um, are not practising things in racing, but races that aren't that important, I guess, um, so you can get a feel for what, what works for you in terms of self-talk and things like that. What has been the biggest lesson since starting marathon running? Um, marathon running is probably is different in that the one percenters make a massive difference. Like if you're a little bit off, um, whether it be on the day or, you know, in week or two, three leading up, it can make a big difference. And, um, that's probably what I've learned. Like you, um, everything needs to go pretty right for you to have a really good marathon 
but that's the beauty of the event and that's why I love it and that's why I love um I don't know celebrating when I see other people do really well because I know how hard it is to get this event right I know how hard it is to you know I've seen both my friends and teammates of my Melbourne track club Brett and Sinead both break the Australian records which they had multiple attempts at um and you know like just all of the times that they missed um disappointing but they kept going because they knew it was there and they just had to get that sweet day you know and um and you know most things have to go right and you can't yeah it's from nutrition to hydration to like the conditions on the day, like which obviously you cannot control. So all of these things. Um, but obviously, you know, getting the work done is um, a big piece of the puzzle and getting the work done in terms of like the build and the training and the gym work and rest and recovery and uh, like adapting to the the load of training and, um, and then also the mental game, like practising the mental skills and, starting to build confidence and, you know, the um, the confidence to believe that you, you know, you've got a really, a really good marathon in you. Absolutely. And that's a perfect segue because I want to dive deeper into the, the mental side of things. And I know you have, um, you know, your podcast with Rory, uh, Marathon State of Mind. Um which I really love. So I would I would love for you to tell us about your journey with mental resilience and um you know yeah how 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 your journey has evolved. When I met Rory this is about probably we became friends about uh, 10 years ago and he was studying um he was doing a PhD on performance and world well-being and um, I was part of that study and yeah I just got really interested in what that looked like and how performance and well-being I guess um, married up and um, why well-being has such an impact on performance and why performance has such an impact on well-being um, and so I was part of that study and I guess yeah, we've just, I guess we've just spent a lot of time running together, um, talking about, um, you know, the mental skills necessary to performance and also to enjoying an experience. Um, and, you know, we're passionate about helping people um, develop those mental skills for themselves. And because everybody has that capacity. And I think that that's probably something um that not everybody knows they people think that you know if you're not born with mental toughness then you're never going to get it or if you're not born with you know resilience and you know you know you're not you're not the kid that pushes on and you know you're not you weren't the brave one or like you weren't the strongest kid growing up then like that's just it for you um, but I think 
helping people to realize um, that you can practice those mental skills that help you become more confident and trust in, um, you know, what you've already got inside of you and, um, and teach people how to speak to themselves as well. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is, um, you know, we speak to ourselves more than anyone else <laughs> in a day um, and how crucial that is for um, for your well-being but also for performance and um, I think that's helped me a lot over the last few years to go, oh, actually, I've been telling myself that story for a long time <laughs> and, you know, just take, let's just like step back from that and have a look at that and create some space and then um, how do I want to change that narrative, you know? And I think that's what our course is. That's what our course is about. It's not just you know, marathon state of mind. It's just it's not just helping people to have a great experience in a marathon or you know whatever physical challenge or pursuit they're chasing after. It's so much of it is life skills. And yeah, I've learned so much from Rory um, and his studies and research in this area. Um, in yeah, how to how to train your mental skills, how to train your mind like we train our body. How, how do you build that self-awareness? Because it takes also self-awareness to know that, yes, this is your inner critic, not the inner coach. Um, this isn't going to serve me the way I'm I'm talking to myself. And, and then, you know, what then comes next? How do you choose, you know, the words that you say, um, the direction that you take to make the most out of, you know, that moment? Yeah, that's so much of it comes down to just practising and like and, and yeah, being aware as I'm running along. And if I, find, I always find that your inner critic is so much louder, the, the higher the pressure, the more the discomfort, the louder the inner critic, you know, the, the, the more tired I am the louder that can, you know, the more it shows itself. And so I'm aware of that, you know, and so I know that like towards the end of a, a, a long hard workout or a long run, I know that these thoughts are going to come up, this voice that I'm hearing is going to come up more and more and I think just creating space and going, oh, that's, I think sometimes actually choose like in the past, um, I've just chosen to go to laugh at it, like, and just go, ha, there, there it is again. Um, or you know, because it's it doesn't doesn't sound that different. Like this, I feel like my inner critic never comes up with anything really new. It's always the same thing, you know, the same worry or the same like. Um, you know, same worry about what could happen or what might happen or what whether I might not be able to do this. And so I guess learning that was really powerful for me because I can change that. I was like, well, let's just see, you know. And if that does happen, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? 
Um, so I think, like, if, if you one that, like, catastrophizes potentially something really bad happening or, um, you know, not being able to finish at a pace that you wanted to or whatever it is, I think just going to that place and accepting that that might be a reality and then coming back from that and going, oh, well, if it does, like, I'll know that I gave it a crack, you know. And so I think just lightening it in that way, like bringing light to it and um, brings a little bit of, like, freedom. I think finding out, like, realising who you are when you're at your best is probably um, one of the, I think, things that has been really powerful that, you know, Rory's taught me is going, I'm at my best when I'm, like, keeping things really light and um, not taking myself too seriously. What I love about that is, you know, you said um, it, it makes you free. If you feel free when, you know, you don't give those negative thoughts the time and when you choose to, um, you know, reframe it and whatnot. It, it also um, empowers you and gives less power to that negative self-talk as well. And I love that so much. I want to break down um, a post that you have for the marathon state of mind. It was pre-Sydney marathon um, and it was for everyone to kind of check in um, and some advice before the race. So um, I wanted to read some of the things that you you guys have put on there and then I'd love um, for you to break them down for us. So number one is remember your why. So I would love to know what your why is and has it changed over time? Yeah, thanks. Um, my why has definitely changed over time. Um and I mean, it's something that we we, we kick off our, our marathon state of mind course um, with know your why um, because it's so important to solidify why you're running, why you you know setting yourself a certain challenge, and you know it's what it's what's going to drive your decision making in terms of training, and um, also it's going to help you push on when it gets hard, and so. Um, you know, some of the reasons why I run is to, you know, so that I can reach my potential, like see how, you know, see how far I can go, see how fast I can go. Um, that's important to me. Another thing that's important to me is showing my kids, um, what it looks like to do challenging things. And... And then the, the last thing, I guess, um, my why is to be able to, you know, bring light to, um, the, I guess, the people and the communities that we get to work alongside in Uganda for our Love Mercy Foundation. And I think knowing your why, um, it, yeah, it drives your everyday motivation. And, um, and that's, yeah, that's why it's kind of the, we kick it off first off in our, our six week marathon state of mind course, cause it's just such a crucial element for success and for enjoyment of an experience. Yeah. 
what happens when you get someone who says my why is not strong enough I don't I don't think it's good enough I think it's yes I have <laughs> and I think it's 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 really important to dig deep like um you know so if you say okay I want to show my kids how to do a challenging thing and what that looks like why is that important keep asking the why to dig deeper you know why is it important that people know about you know um what's happening on the other side of the world in uganda why why is that important um because you know we can use our resources to come alongside um these communities why is that important because you know as humans um we we can do something to um to collaborate i love that and i think that is a great lesson in all the choices we make as well is asking ourselves why but then again why and why because of that i just i i really love that um because we can really discover so much more about ourselves as well, which is so important. The next one you had on there was focus on what you can control and let go of the rest. So in running and especially to race day, what are the controllables? The controllables are um, pretty simple to me. They're, they're the things that, yeah, that are within your immediate control, it's your breathing, it's um, your technique at any given moment. It's, you, can, you can't control every thought that comes into your mind. You can't control that. You can't control the thoughts that um, come into your mind. You can control how you respond to them. Um, and you can control how, what, what you can say next, and that is your response. You know, you can control, you can you can control what you put your attention on, and if you want to, if you know, if you're hearing the inner critic really loud um, at a certain part of the race, um, you can control whether you dance with it. You know, you can control how long you sit with that voice and how long you, how many times you repeat it. And or whether you laugh at it and go, ha <laughs> that's that's my brain telling me that story again that you know I might not finish this or I need to slow down or like this will be embarrassing if I don't you know do what I said I was going to do or you know whatever it is. Um, those are the things that you can control. You can control your response at any given moment and. Um, I think the more people realise this, the more they'll feel empowered to go and do challenging things because they'll realise that, you know, they have everything within them to go and, you know, to go and get it done Um, because ultimately, you know, there are things that you're in control of. We like to strive for a time. So one of the things that you've got on there is time doesn't define you, run at what feels the right effort. But when it really hurts and you do have a time goal and if you keep going at the pace you're going, you, you could potentially achieve it, right? But 
also on the flip side, if you keep doing that, it could get worse, you could blow up or potential injury. Like, how do you measure all of that? I think that the main thing is, is that like, it's fine. It's fine to have a time goal and fine to be conscious of your pace. I think it's really important um, to be conscious and almost have a plan of how you respond to you know that goal and how you respond to that within the race and the pace within the race because ultimately if you bring who you want to be into a race and in every given moment as much as humanly possible you can be who you want to be so like calm brave efficient like leaning into the challenge, um, optimistic, all of these things, all of these character traits, all within your control, you're going to have a good race. <laughs> like you're going to have – and you, you're much more likely – and it's, it's research has proven this now – you're much more likely to actually get the result and the time that you want at the end of the race rather than fixating on the time – in the present moment, in the like currently, in you know, in real time, like what what pace am I running at? And obsessing over that because um, then it becomes really easy to start judging if you know um, if you pay too much attention to it. But if you bring every, if you have your mental game plan, you know, you know what you value most, and you know your why, and you know who you are when you're at your best and you want to bring all of those things to this performance, to this 42.2 kilometres, um, at every possible moment that you have, bring all of those things, then you're going to run the most efficient, fastest race possible without looking at your watch once. And I love, I love time. I love knowing splits. I love all of the data. Um, and it absolutely definitely has its place um but it's now proven that this is a much more um uh, this this way of thinking has more success to high performance than to fixating on oh my gosh am i still on pace and i mean it's a i mean for the elite runners it's the beauty of having base pacemakers because you let someone else worry about the time and they can worry about what pace you're running and you can just relax. And, you know, that's the perfect example, I guess. It's like at the front of the field you've got these runners. Elliot Kipchoge last night ran the Berlin Marathon with, I think, at least four pacemakers. And I didn't see him look at his watch once um, because he was trusting that, you know, the runners in front of him were, were running at that pace. So what he could – and it is so that he can focus his attention on how he's running and who he wants to be in the race. And he said before the race, this is a quote, um, I just want to run a beautiful race. And I'm like, that is Kipchoge, you know, like he wants to run a beautiful race. And so, and obviously he's just come out and won and run two, two hours and two minutes, which is one of the fastest times ever. Um, 
But yeah, I bet he wasn't fixating on the pace that he was running at any moment, you know? So um, that's what we mean by that quote. I love that. And I've never thought of it in that way in terms of planning how you're going to respond in that moment as well. And I think when you do that, like for me now, I can go, oh, actually, it doesn't feel as daunting if that if something comes up for me because now I've got a plan in how I'm going to manage it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love that so much. So the next one you've got is bigger challenge, bigger opportunity. Lean in and embrace it. So what does leaning into it mean? Um, leaning in means, I guess, just feeling it and being present for all of it, you know, and, and not, yeah, not not leaning back. Like, yeah, it's such a visual thing for me, like leaning in truly, like putting your head down and going, yes, this is what I'm here for, you know. Um and and staying in the moment and yeah embracing that embracing any feeling for any any feeling that comes up being curious about it and responding um accordingly the next one you've got is come back to the moment and bring your best to what's in front of you what do you mean by that i think in a in a race there's so much there's a real tendency, especially when you're under pressure, to think either about what's happened, what's happened, like whether you've gone out too hard or not gone out hard enough or um, there's a real tendency to think about how what the result's going to be. You start, you start telling the end of the story before the story's ended. Um, and we do this in life as well. And I think it's such a skill to come back to the present moment and just go, what can I do now, you know? What can I do now to take the very next best step? Um, coming back to the present moment is definitely a skill that you can practice at any given moment. And for me, it starts with my breathing. And... If I'm conscious, you know, we're breathing all the time, right? And if I'm conscious of how I'm breathing, I'm I'm coming back to present. It helps me it helps me feel grounded, it helps me feel calm, helps me feel in control. And yeah, it's a gift. Our breath is a gift. And I think um, the more and I know that you know, when I've been in under pressure in training and in races, the more I think about how the race might end or you know what happened previous to this or um the the more out of control my breathing gets so your breathing can actually be like quite correlated with your thoughts and whether they're panicky or or calm and so yeah I think coming back to the present moment and going I'm here this is why I'm here. Yes, it's challenging, but that's why I'm doing this, you know. This is what I'm here for. Like lean into it, embrace it. Like I knew it was going to be hard and here it is. Like, yes. <laughs> um, you know, and just I guess, yeah, instead of running running away from it and avoiding 
the challenge, run towards it and embrace it um, with curiosity. And the last one, trust yourself, you've got this. What does that look like, sound like, feel like? Again, it's so much the marathon and and anything challenging in life is just so much about trusting the process and trusting that you've got what it takes and not thinking any further ahead than that, you know, not thinking any, any, um, not believing every thought that you have um, because not every thought that you have is true and also, yeah, just trusting that no matter what comes up, no matter what challenge in a race, that um, you'll either respond to it in a way that you're really proud of or you won't and you'll learn from it for the next one. And, like, how good. <laughs> um, how good. How good that you get an opportunity to go to learn and to, like, you know, I don't know, to go and um, change potentially the way that you responded last time. Um, And this is what I'm hoping for my next marathon is that, nah, this time, like, I'm I'm committed to this, you know, I'm committed to responding differently to how I did then. And, um, And how beautiful that I get that another opportunity to go and express that and express who I am and who I want to be within a marathon. And, um, yeah, that's a privilege. (laughs) It is. And it's so powerful as well. Like, you know, you, you get to choose. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. I I love that so much. Um, I'd really want to talk about, Love Mercy Foundation now and I want to read something from the website because it's beautiful and it'll give listeners an idea of what you stand for and, and what the foundation does. So Love Mercy exists to empower communities in northern Uganda to overcome poverty caused by the horrors of war. Love Mercy began in 2010 in Sydney, Australia, after Eloise Wellings, Australian Olympian, met Ugandan Olympian and former child soldier Julius Achon. And then it follows with a quote that Julius said to you, if I told you my story, your foot problem would become very small. So firstly... I'd really love to know when you hear that, what did you feel in that moment where he tells you his story and what happens after that moment? And then obviously if you could maybe tell us a little bit about the story so we have some context. Yeah. Um, Julius and I met when we when I was training over in Portland um, back in 2008 and we became really good friends and he, um, I was telling him one day that I was really discouraged that I had a, I had a foot injury and um, it was soon after I arrived in Portland and, yeah, he said that to me. He said, you know, <laughs> uh, 
if I told you my story and the things that I've overcome, it would probably become very small. And I said, tell me, <laughs> tell me. And, um, yeah, he began to tell me about being born into into poverty in, in northern Uganda and um, he was kidnapped at aged 11 when um, from his village. Uh, he was kidnapped and forced to be a child soldier. He was taken to a rebel camp and and, um, and was forced to stay there until uh, for three months until uh, you know a, a government plane flew overhead and um, started shooting at the rebel camp. And Julius saw his chance to escape uh, with sixteen other boys that had also been kidnapped and um, eleven of them. Um, Eleven, nine, sorry, nine of them were shot and killed, and six of them survived, and one of them was Julius. And he made it home to his family, and um, he was desperate to get an education, but couldn't afford um, the. His family couldn't afford the school fees, but um, he heard that if you became a, a good athlete or a runner, you could get a scholarship to go to school and. Um, to cut his story very, very short, he ended up being an incredible runner. Uh, he went on to compete for Uganda at two Olympic Games in Sydney and also Athens at the 1500-metre event, making the semi-final um, in Sydney. And um, he shared with me when I met with him in Portland that he wanted to return back to Uganda and help the communities that had been through 25 years of civil war. He wanted to start some community development projects to help people get back on their feet and to come alongside um, people in a sustainable way. And um, my husband and I went to Uganda to his wedding a few months after and uh, to his wife, Grace. And, yeah, we, we met... Um, Julius's family and, and um, met some people from his community and um, we just we just asked how we could help you know be um, a part of his vision and if you know if he wanted that and he said yes and um, and that's how we started the Love Mercy Foundation and basically we um, raise resources in Australia to um, partner with communities in Uganda. Um, to, you know, run projects uh, and our three main projects are the Christina Health Centre um, where there's around 35 babies born per month. Um, there's around uh, 900 patients um, treated uh, for various other conditions and illnesses per month um, at the Christina Clinic. And Another project is Sense for Seeds, which is a sustainable farming loan program we run primarily with women and um, that in, enables them and empowers them to create their own livelihood through farming. And the third project is um, drilling wells for clean water. Um, and, yeah, it's, I think uh, I look back at the last sort of 13 years of Love Mercy and, honestly, it's so humbling um the change that's happened and the people that we have um got to meet and become friends with and um and learn from as well like our team in uganda on the ground are so incredibly 
Um, we've got all of our projects to a well-oiled machine, and yeah, our our biggest task, I guess, is um, you know our, our impact is only limited by the amount of resources and and, and money we can raise um, to stand alongside people from these communities, and um, I guess that's that's our job, and in Australia and. And, you know, it's been a privilege to be able to use running to, as a vehicle to be able to bring light to, um, yeah, the, the development that's happening in, in this area and um, people literally digging themselves out of poverty through, you know, a, um, a program using the fertile soil of Uganda for, for our Sense for Seeds project. And, yeah, it's, um, it's been great. It sounds incredible and so impactful and I I have to ask it because I admire it so much and it's something that I, you know, hope to maybe one day do and make as much impact as, you know, as what you've done with the foundation. So, you know, from that moment he go he tells you, you know, how you can help. Like what's what's the next step to to starting a foundation and then how do you choose which projects to start with or what's most important how, how does that all work yeah that's a good question i think do you know that the most important thing is um the relationship and the the i guess the the collaboration and making sure that we're all on the same page and and also um you know that We've always wanted um, Julius and, and our, our team and our people from the communities to direct us in what they need. And so um, one of the main needs when we first visited Uganda and what we're hearing from communities there is, you know, the lack of food, that the soil is really fertile, um, but the month that we visited um, to go to Julius's wedding, 13 people had died from famine um, and it's heartbreaking. And so we, um, you know, they talked about, you know, seeds and, and needing needing um, this startup, I guess, for a, a business. Any business needs a startup and we see the loan of seeds as a startup. Um, you know, 30 kilograms of seeds, which, which costs $30, um, 30 Australian dollars, um, will help a woman to harvest three, an average of 300 kilograms of food, which is food security for an entire year, an entire year. And then she also sells some of that, um, that food at the marketplace to pay for school fees and other household items. So it's breaking the cycle of poverty in entire communities in Uganda and then they return the seed back at the end of the season so that we can pass it on to another woman. Um, so there's been 26,000. We started with 100 women in one particular village in 2010 um, as a pilot program and, um, yeah, there's been 26,000 loans um, since then. Um, so, yeah, it's just an incredible program and, um, we've seen 
so much change and so much impact um, through the work of our team over there. You know, we have agri you know, four agriculturalists, four village sa savings and loans educators, and, um, you know, the, the whole team does an incredible job at mobilising communities. And, um, you know, we were, I've had the privilege of being over in Uganda this March when um, there was a distribution day. So this distribution um, goes for three weeks in March just before the rain starts. Um, so that people are able to plant their seed um, before um, the rainy season. And, yeah, it's absolutely incredible to be at a couple of the villages seeing um, the participants receive their loans and just our team, how hard they work and, um, and how passionate they are about community health and about helping people break that cycle of poverty. And, um, yeah, it's humbling and... Yeah, just amazing and inspiring to be part of that day. And um, those are the things you never forget. You don't, you know, those are the things that I remember when, you know, I'm back home and I'm running. And <laughs> um, those are the things I remember when things get hard in running. This is the why, you know, this is like so that we can continue to um, to work alongside um these communities and yeah incredible if people are listening and want to donate and help out and find out more about the the foundation how can they do that yeah you can go to lovemercyfoundation.org um any donation over two dollars is, is tax deductible and you can also follow us on um, instagram or facebook um we can you know stay engaged with with the impact that's that's happening over there amazing i'll have that in the show notes uh in case anyone wants to check that out and and donate as well Eloise, we are coming to the end now of this incredible conversation a few more questions i've got for you they're kind of kind of a rapid fire style of questions the first one i have for you <laughs> Is what are you most proud of? Um, most proud of probably my family. Um, we've been, we'll be, I'll be married 20 years next year <laughs> to my husband, Johnny. And so, you know, like any relationship or marriage, it's, you know, like challenges, but I feel like we're a really good team and, yeah, I'm proud of proud of that, proud of the challenges that we've overcome and, um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that. What is the biggest lesson you want your kids to know? I really just want my kids to know that they are loved inherently so deeply no matter what they do <laughs> and I think that like knowledge the knowledge of that truth that no matter what I am like completely and utterly loved will give them the freedom to go and do whatever they're passionate about and throw everything at it without this threat of losing their identity or losing their value um you know 
if it works out or not. That's what I that's what I hope. Love it. What's on the goal list? What's next? Um, Valencia Marathon I'm building up for, which I'm really excited about. It's in December. Um, so I've got a few weeks left uh, of training, about 10 weeks-ish. And um, then after that, yeah, we'll see. Maybe uh, definitely some more racing um, after that. But, yeah, just this, this next build-up one day at a time, one week at a time and um, enjoying the process and, yeah, just go and lay it all down in, in Valencia. Brilliant. And my last question for you, Eloise, what advice do you have for those who feel like their nerves get the better of them before a race? Because whether there's pressure on them to run a certain time or it's their first time running, whatever it is, what advice do you give to those who uh, get really nervous? Um, I would say first off that uh, don't be afraid of nerves. Nerves are good. They're, it's your body and your mind preparing you for what's about to happen. And it means that you care. Um, so it's all good. I would um, focus on the things that you can control and um, have a mental game plan for when you know things are going to get challenging and whatever you're, you know, whatever you're doing. And... Um, also, just go out and enjoy it, you know. <laughs> go out and enjoy um, enjoy doing what you're passionate about and it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Amazing. Eloise, I like to end the conversation with my guest asking a question to our listeners. So I'd love to know what question would you like to ask of the listener to maybe uh, think about? I would ask your listeners, because this is something that's helped me, are you speaking to yourself like you speak to a best friend? Oh, good one. (laughs) (laughs) You're an absolute superstar. I have loved every minute of this conversation and I am certainly going to take away so much from this um, today. Thank you. Thank you so much for chatting with me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Jack. That was Eloise Wellings. What an absolute superstar. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I loved that conversation. If you think your friends or family would really benefit from hearing more about performance and the impact that mindset has on performance and on our own well-being, then please share it with them. I know that they will love this episode. In the show notes, we will have all of the foundation details, but also all of Eloise's um, social handles so that you can follow her journey if you're not already following it. As per usual, I so appreciate you. I appreciate you coming along for this journey and I want to thank you for being here. Have the best day, week, month and year. Stay awesome. We'll catch you next time. Bye.